Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. On our show today is a returning guest, Dr. Brian Lowry. Brian is a professor of organizational behavior and a social psychologist by training at Stanford Graduate School of Business. Brian is driving an initiative to shape enlightened and purposeful leaders for a diverse society. Brian's research examines the operation of racial attitudes below the threshold of consciousness and the perception of inequality. He's been published in major scholarly journals, such as the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology, and Law and Human Behavior. Brian, it's nice to have you back. Nice to see you and really appreciate it. Um, I had a chance to listen back to our, our first show a couple of times just to kind of grease the skids coming into this one and appreciate what we had a chance to talk about and kind of just a really nice dialogue back and forth. I really, I really enjoyed it and really appreciated it. You know, I wanted to see in today's show if we can't build upon that. And I feel like we're, we're kind of kind of swinging for the fence here, but why not? If you could change the word privilege, given its recent and, you know, incendiary tendency, I guess it'd be kind of provocative mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. If you could change the word so that it wouldn't be so reactionary to folks using it or those kind of receiving it, whether people are being offensive with it or people are being defensive against it. If you could choose another word, just out of curiosity, what word would you choose that might invite and allow a conversation between folks that might be a little more inviting, a little bit more engaged, maybe more inclusive. What'd you come up with? That's, that's a good question. So it's hard, honestly, because I use the word so much, right? So I use it interchangeably with advantages. Mm -hmm. and I don't know that people, I think that, I think that's less sensitive for people. I think it still though has some, I don't know, baggage may be too strong, but I think it still has some associations for people that are, that are tough. The way I like the talk about it is we're all in the same system yeah. and in that system we occupy different positions and roles yeah and the system that i'm talking about no one chose it their position right so i just had a conversation the other day about this where i don't assign any kind of moral responsibility for the position that you find yourself in at birth, right? So if you're in an advantaged position in the society you live in, that's through no doing of your own, right? Right. If we're supposed to be talking about, you know, identities assigned at birth, right? So people look at you and they assume you're this or that, that that's not your responsibility, but it's, it's still a, still a truth that it attaches to you and it has meaning and it, and it affects your life. And so the question is, What's the word you use to assign someone a position without assigning them responsibility for that position in the mm -hmm. sense that they didn't choose it, but in this is where this, their subtlety, I think they're responsible for what they do in that position, yes. not for the fact that they occupy it. It's hard to convey that. I don't, I don't know that well, I have you, a but, but I think that, But I think that's what you're very artful at. And I think that's the artfulness of having a conversation like this. You're, you're not responsible for what you're born into. And you said in our first show that what if we, given that, 
looked at the aspirational, almost virtuous opportunities that we have and the conversations we could have that transcend an offensiveness or defensiveness, something that could be, again, incendiary or, you know, conflicted. But what if we are stoking this idea of maybe a moral obligation? Oh, I'm, I'm all about moral obligation. Yes. I know you are. And, and, that, <laughs> and that's what I'm loving about this. And you're nudging and encouraging us. What if we get a chance to be our better selves and we can look at it this way and, and, and rise above this idea of what can we do with what we're born into? Yeah, you know, I, I love that that language and the way you're talking about it here. I I think that it's unfortunate that the systems we born we're born into are unjust or inequitable, right? Yes, I think that, that that's unfortunate. And it also, if you see it clearly, provides an opportunity for transcendence. It 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 offers you an opportunity to be more than what you were given or you're born into. And I think if you see that as an opportunity, that that's a powerful thing. I don't know why this is spring in my head. I, no. I am I'm I'm not a particularly religious person, but yeah. the way some people describe heaven, heaven sounds incredibly yeah. boring. I'm like what what what? <laughs> like what is there to do? Like everything is perfect. Like what what what? I mean, I just luxuriate in the perfection of like things. what can we make better, huh? Yeah. What what is there? I mean, I think human beings are designed to do things right that you are made excited about possibilities yeah. right and possibilities require some degree of imperfection right there is there are no possibilities in the presence of perfection mm -hmm. right and so in some ways that that's true of the world we live in there are incredible possibilities in part because of the imperfections of the world we live in and if you see it that way and understand your situation in that way. I mean, I think that's a way of engaging that doesn't feel as mm, maybe as as obligation. Yeah. If you think of it as opportunity and possibility. Yeah. Like, and, and there's a, that's a, a different way of saying like it gives you a chance to be a better self. I mean, it's, but it's there's another way to say where it's it's exciting the possibilities of becoming more. That's really a paradigm shift. I think, of course, that's the right term, but this idea of, again, aspirational, and maybe we don't think about this oftentimes is, you know, what could you be? And what can we be, not just individually, but in our families, but as a collective? And if we have that mindset, you're saying we're, we're born with certain things, great. And what you're saying is maybe we start with the word privilege, but maybe we begin to kind of segue into something that that includes the best part of ourselves, something morally driven, possibilities. What if we can be more than just what we're given and taking what we're given and, you know, this idea of talent, skills, abilities, gifts. What if we take those and we take those to their fullest realization and somehow those, not just in exercising what those are, but also exercising the best of those that can actually contribute to other people helping them reach theirs, that's a whole different, more productive, more generative conversation, isn't it? Then sometimes we just get this conflicted conversation going back and forth. I agree with that. It's much more generative. And I think it's a better way of framing the task than trying to disavow something that you feel embarrassed of. Like if you think of privilege or yeah. advantage as something to be embarrassed of or 
that somehow taints you, right? The goal is to disavow or distance yourself from it. Right. But if you see it as something that is an opportunity to engage with and in a way that allows you to become more than what you were to begin with, there's something positive about that. I mean, in some ways it's, you know, it can be exciting. I mean, I think if you look at it, if you find yourself and everyone, almost everyone does on some dimension at a, a low place in an unjust system, right? In a disadvantaged position, I think people get there, the idea of transcending that that unjust position from a place of disadvantage is exciting, is something to strive for, is something that you can feel good about. Yeah. I don't think anyone wishes they occupy that position, but when you're in it, you can take pride in trying to transcend that. There's no reason you couldn't think of the other side in the same way. We don't talk about it that way, but there's no reason you couldn't think about it as I'm also in an unjust That's right. position that I was born into. And I also look to transcend that in a way that makes the world a more just place that makes me feel like a, and, and be a, a moral person in terms of the way I engage with the world, right? There's, there's still possibilities on that side as well. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Most of us spend more time at work than anywhere else doing anything else. So why not spend that time in a job you love? Introducing Triad's Jobs Marketplace, the only job site dedicated specifically to behavioral and mental health professionals. Featuring more than 1,000 open jobs from dozens of behavioral and mental health employers and searchable by location, professional field, employment type, specialization, and more. Jobs Marketplace helps you find your next career opportunity. Full-time, part-time, or gig-time, make the most of your time. To access Jobs Marketplace, register for your free professional account at hellotriad.com slash BHT. That's hellotriad.com slash BHT. And then click to Jobs Marketplace. If you're already a member of the Triad community, visit app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. That's app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. Visit us today and take your next career step tomorrow. There's really something key here. You said if we don't understand it this way in our first podcast, you said if we don't maybe kind of come at it this way, we actually deprive ourselves of a life that can be richer. And when we wound down the show on this concept, that was a beautiful way to wind down our show. And I want to build upon that just a little bit in just a moment. But, you know, you're talking about this guilt and shame, and and I think it's such a waste. I mean, it tries to be virtuous and, and all these things, but it's a waste because Guilt and shame contribute to this continuation of, of, you know, around privilege because those feelings are paralyzing feelings and they keep us kind of spinning within them, guilt and shame, rather than mobilizing us to take action individually and collectively. And what you said right now, I want to kind of grab on, you said it was a beautiful way in our show. You said, we're all in this together and we're all touched by each other's lives, whether we recognize it or not. Those with advantage, those with disadvantage, and we can't help but be affected, can we? Certainly not. We are social creatures. We interact in ways that are often more complex for us to even see and completely understand. And, you know, the way we exist in our social situation, be that an advantaged position or disadvantaged position, has implications for everyone else. Right. So when you act, it's not just for you. It also 
affects the people around you, right? Yeah. In, in ways, again, that are sometimes difficult to see. And one of the reasons I like this framing, the one we're discussing now, is it gives you a way of identifying the appropriate direction for your action. It gives you a, a compass mm. because to say that that's everything great. you do affects everyone else, it's, I mean, that I think that's true, but it doesn't help you make decisions, right? You still need some sense of like, how do I decide if I can't even understand how my behaviors are going to affect all these people because the interactions are so, so, so complex. If I can't predict what necessarily the outcome is going to be, how do I decide? And one way you can decide is by saying, what, what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of decision do I feel like aligns with my moral sense of self? And the, and, and this way, again, going back to things we're using now that allows me to transcend or move beyond the position that I find myself in, in the current system, right? It's, I don't, I don't, it's not easy, but I think it's maybe a productive way to think about how you behave and how you engage with other people and how you inhabit the position that you find yourself in. So you're describing then maybe some steps to engage with this and it starts within ourselves and maybe we could go down this path just a wee bit. What if it starts with me? You know, kind of the man in the mirror, Michael Jackson here just for a moment. And perfect song for this, this idea that what if we look at ourselves and then we get to say in that, what is my moral compass really? And stop and ask that. We, we very rarely stop and contemplate things like this. We just kind of go about it or we adopt what's been given to us, we're born into even in terms of morality, values, et cetera. But what if we were literally to stop and do what you're saying is, what do I want to be? What can I be with what I've been born into? And then what, what's going to be my best moral self? You, you mentioned in our first show this idea about moral obligation and maybe the obligation piece might be a, a challenging part. But what if we just say, what if we have a moral obligation around these things to steward our lives responsibly and to create a better world? Take off on that a little bit for me, would you? Yeah. Let me go back for just a second and just highlight something you said earlier, which is I find guilt and shame as a way of engaging with the position you're born into, just not, not particularly productive, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it allows you to, to sit in that. And I think often the response is to try to throw off the guilt and shame, but not necessarily by engaging in productive behaviors, right? That, that move you to where you want to go. Instead, you're taking a position that is avoiding something That's as right. opposed to moving toward something. That's right. And I think that really what you want to do is try to find a way to move toward the moral person you want to be, as opposed to trying to defend yourself against mm -hmm. some, some claims. I don't, I don't want to say immorality because that's too strong, but defend yourself against the claim that somehow the position you've been born into is a challenge to your moral character. And I think that's, that's I think, the the position that is most dominant right now. And instead, yeah, I, I wish people had more, as we would call it in psychology, an approach motivation as opposed to an avoidance motivation. Yes. So, like when you're acting, you can either be moving towards something or mm -hmm. you can be trying to move away from something, right? And that can point in the same direction, but they're very different psychological experiences. And I think often in terms of these issues, the approach that people take is one of an avoiding something, avoiding being blamed, avoiding feeling bad. And I think that's much less productive than approaching who you'd like to be. Like, how would you yeah. like the world to be and who would you like to be in that world? Yeah. And, and I think that is a, a much 
more productive way to engage. And in some ways, I think it allows you to say, I'm, I'm, I'm working towards this. And if someone challenges you, you can accept if the challenge is, here's who you are because of where you've been born. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to be ashamed of that. You can acknowledge that and say, and that that's true. And that I'm, I'm moving towards trying to be the part of something more than that, or right. trying to be something beyond that. Right. And I think Honestly, we should all, I, I'd hope, be be doing that, right, in our own way, no matter. Even again, no if matter we weren't talking about, about this idea of yeah. privilege, exactly, yeah. just, yeah, just yeah. ideally in our best self, be our best selves in the world. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's like, I. yeah, you get up and you <laughs> presumably you want to do something positive, right? I mean, yeah. I, 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 I hope <laughs> that most people wake up and do that. When I teach, I say usually often at the end of my classes, I say, I, I hope you all have aspirations. Otherwise, I don't know why you're here. Like, why? <laughs> exactly. What are we doing? Like what, what, what's, if you don't have any aspirations, you're wasting your time and money in this situation. And I would say that for anybody listening to this podcast, like why would you listen to this podcast if you don't have an aspiration to be more than what you are currently? There's no, I mean, that there's, there's something to be proud of in that. And then the question is, what is that and how do you move toward it? And I think that's a way to approach most, if not all aspects of our lives. Yeah, I had a Sunday school teacher when I was in elementary school, he would say, don't rest. Until you, until you make your good better and your better best. That's kind of you know, trying to be our best selves. But what I want to hold up to is you're, you're trying, I, I think, to really define what we've, I think, misunderstood the word privilege to be. You're saying in our first show that's about advantages and benefits we enjoy that are connected to demographic characteristics or to societally imposed identities, as opposed to what most people would think of as internal attributes. And you're saying here, and I think it's a great reminder, and I think it can lift it out of that contentious conversations that we can often get in. That's not about individual morality, but an issue of how society is constructed and what the system is producing and what is placed on us in terms of advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, 100%. And then the question for an individual in that is not what position were you born into or you were assigned, you know, but how do you engage with that position? Yeah, I think that's that's when it it does become it does rest on you. Then, like, then it's I think it is reasonable to judge people in terms of how they engage with the position they find themselves in. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to judge people on the position they find themselves in, but how they engage with that position, I think, is a, a fair question to ask of someone. Yeah, I like that idea of kind of trying to remove the moral guilt that we can somehow find ourselves that leads to blame and being bad and all those things. And then it goes to the guilt and the shame. And it just kind of, it, it just suppresses and, and, and diminishes opportunities to really have conversations like this. There was a, a woman, Mickey Cashton, she's a, a, a doc and psychologist, I believe. And she wrote an article in Psychology Today. She said, although talking about privilege, there, there are many forms of privilege that can be acquired like wealth or education. Those things can be acquired over time. But, but we acquire, like you're saying, most of our privilege that we have before we're even born. We don't, and moreover, we don't have a choice about whether or not we have privilege. And I think we can easily get pigeonholed into privilege being male or female, black, white. Those are the ones that easily get categorized. But I think if we're talking about advantages and benefits we enjoy that are connected to demographic characteristics and societally imposed identities, there are other things that we don't oftentimes consider that we're born into and with or without having any say or choice. If you have a high IQ, you got to have a better chance. If you have good genetics, better health, you're going to have some advantages 
If you're extroverted, we know the research around that. Come from a two-parent family, we know what that shows. If you're tall, we know what the research shows around, you know, tall people getting advantages and things. Body type, if you're slender and have a body type versus someone maybe who's overweight. Or yeah, if you're attractive. Huge one, yeah, that was a huge one, by the way. Attractiveness has huge biases that people don't talk about. Oh, that absolutely. Is, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Attractiveness, athleticness, if you're artistic, these are all play, these are all things that pretty much part of our, our genetics and we're born into, we get to have. And again, it's like what you're saying is what if these are opportunities to steward in some ways that can be benevolently contributing to things that can better us all. Mm -hmm. And I think what's important there too is, is examining what you believe the world should look like. Yeah. Right. So not what it is, not where you are in it, but what, what would a just world look like? And once you, once you have a clear idea of that, then it's easier to see how it, how it deviates from that and your place in it. And then you can make decisions about, this is where it goes to making decisions about how you inhabit the positions you find yourself in. Let's spend a minute around that. This idea of if you could kind of cast a vision for us in the way you would like the world to look yourself, you're, you're immersed in this and you're a black man and, and all these things that you have been living in, what, what would you like the world to look like? Yeah. I mean, it's the easy answer I would say is I'd like everyone to have the opportunity to thrive independent of what they were born with, right? That every, everyone should have the opportunity to thrive. That's the easy answer. The reason that's the easy answer, but not complete is the reasons you already pointed out that there are a lot of differences between people. And in society, you also want people to be able to contribute in ways that take advantage of talents they were, they were possibly born with, right? Yeah. I mean, through no work of their own, like, so that you also want the world to benefit from those talents and you want those the people to be able to be rewarded for that. But I think it's, it's hard to know what the world would look like if certain talents weren't rewarded at such high, high levels, right? So yes. I don't, I don't think you end up in a world in my vision. I don't think you've been end up in a world where everyone is the same. Like, I don't, it's something that it's hard for me to imagine what that looks like. I don't know that that actually should, I don't think that should be the goal. That's a good point. It doesn't have to be that everybody is going to be the same. No, I think that yeah. that sounds un, like uninteresting and also un, <laughs> almost <laughs> exceedingly unlikely. I don't know why I, I don't know that I would shoot for that, but I mean, the easy thing to say is like, Things that should be irrelevant to what you can offer should be irrelevant to what your life outcome is. And that is, then that is also an easy thing to say, but a harder thing to, to identify what exactly what that means. So for me, for example, let me give you a, a tiny, tiny bit of academic yeah. background. Love to hear. Um, so one of my advisors studied dominance and in, in hierarchies in society. And he and a lot of people in the field would say there's three broad categories of human groups. So one is age, like every society makes distinctions based on age, right? Like there's a, some, some curve of like, you're young, you have no, no power in society. As you age, your power increases at some point, your power starts to diminish again. That's just how societies work. All societies have, have hierarchy based on age. All societies, he would argue have hierarchies based on it. I'll, I'll call it gender, sex, whatever you want to call it, that men and women, as it's understood, occupy different roles. And in societies, again, he would say 
I don't want to get into all their debates about this, but putting those aside, that men in societies tend to be dominant. Mm-hmm. Just, this is just, you know, empirically the claim that he, that he made and had evidence for. And then the third category is the one that I think is, for the purposes here, most interesting. He, he calls them, you can call them arbitrary or empty set groups. So those would be ones that are just, in some sense, made up. Race, class, religion, caste. So these groups that are produced aren't really about, uh, let's say, anything genetic or anything apparently biological. I mean, that sounds weird when we talk about race, but as an example, if you look at the study of race, there are more genetic differences within races than across on average. Like this is well-known in the, in the genetic literature. And so now after all that little detour. That's good. No, stay with it. That's good. The easiest thing to say is those made up groups yeah. shouldn't affect people's life outcomes. There's no reason yeah. that something like religion should dictate what you can contribute to society, right? You're not, it, it, there's, I mean, it's, you know, you're born one place, you have to be a religion, that same person is born with the same talents, gifts, whatever, be out biological, maybe they have somewhere else, has a different religion. What they can contribute to society is not, should not be predicated on the religion they happen to have. So I would sell one answer to how the world should look is those distinctions should not affect, in my mind, people's life outcomes. It becomes more complicated when you start talking about things like height, body type, right? If people have, if, if there's some genetic component to mathematical ability, mathematical ability, right? Those things now, those are real differences that affect what people can do well in the world. How do we think about what their life should look like. So someone who happens to be really tall, should their life be better than someone who's short? I think it's complicated. I think what I can say is that everyone should have a minimal level of life quality. Like this should just be a floor. And we're not in, and I'd say that seems like a pretty easy thing. And we're not anywhere close to that in the world right now. Like we should be able to collectively identify a floor and make sure everyone is above that floor. And I think, I think you'd be hard pressed to say that that's really where we are in the world right now. Mm. Like there's no reason people should be starving to death no. in the world. Right. Yeah. And that's the case in many places in the world for complicated reasons, but I would like to live in a world where that wasn't true. That's a good vision. Those are some of the, we could even attach that to kind of some of Maslow's, you know, basic hierarchies, you know, food, shelter, clothing at the very bottom of that pyramid, just basic floor-based things. Everybody should just have that without question. And what kind of opportunities do we have to engage, you know, our privilege, our, our advantages, whatever they may be. And I believe everybody has something to contribute. Everybody has some advantage. I think what we look at, at this sometimes in the wrong types of discussions with each other when it becomes again, you know, controversial and maybe even people use it for power and control to have these kinds of conversations because they might have another agenda rather than this kind of agenda that you're bringing. We, we pigeonhole people and we miss opportunities to say, okay, so there's some disadvantage that you legitimately have coming into the world, which you're born into. And there's unfairness in that. However, if we can provide opportunities and we can determine what is it that you do have that you can contribute? 
everybody has something to contribute regardless of what they're born into the world with and trying to find what that is. And I think that is where we become our best selves and we begin to experience a fulfillment despite what we're born into and where we start. What you said is how we finish and what, what our life is at the end. Folks, pardon the interruption, but we'll continue this discussion on our next show. I want to thank our guest, Brian Lowry, for coming on to our show today. For more information about Brian Lowry and his podcast, Know What You See, please visit knowwhatyousee.com. For more information about other articles and other media content by Brian Lowry about race, equity, and privilege, please visit knowwhatyousee.com slash media dash page. And lastly, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.